0: Praise the Lord. Well, this is part three of Greater Glory. Everybody say Greater Glory. And I want you just to take whatever you think of the word glory, whatever teachings, whatever theologies of glory, and I just want you to put them on the shelf and maybe you've heard glory maybe it's been misused but it is it is the, this is an integral part of God's word in his kingdom so i just want to get into his word and this is part 3 of greater glory but specifically i have a subtitle for today and i'm calling it the great transfer i want you to say it out loud the great transfer and you got to have a sub subtitle of the great transformation So I just want to say this, we'll get right here uh, into his word, uh, Galatians, wow, I have Colossians and Galatians mixed together, that's Galatians, not to be confused with the clothing. Galatians 2.20 says, my old self, let's just read this out loud, Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Everybody say it again, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Now, this is what I was just getting into with in prayer before we began here. That, right, there is no, I will share my glory with no flesh, right? God does not share his glory with flesh. That's why flesh had to be crucified. Jesus did it on the cross, and some people think that's, well, that means that I don't have to do anything because Jesus did it. Yes, and and Jesus did it for your salvation, but our word is very clear. We're not going to get into this today, but you can do a word study that we have actually joined Christ on the cross, even though you're in the future and he's in the past. Simultaneously, outside of time when Jesus was on the cross, so were you. That when you repent of your sins, your body is actually on the cross with Christ in sacrifice, And what is resurrected is the new body. Jesus came back in his glorified state. Amen, right? He was resurrected and then came back again glorified just as we will be glorified in Christ. So this is a statement not of one day. Everybody say this is not one day. This is past tense. I've been crucified, right? That is past tense. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. So everybody say past tense, present tense. This scripture is talking about something that was already done so that you can do something now. Amen. I was already crucified. Christ already lives in me. Not one day I'll see him in heaven, but I'm already seeing him. Praise God, right? I've already entered heaven with him. That's what my word says. And I've already had him enter me. We've already become one. That was Jesus' prayer. So we're already there. So because of that, present tense, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise the Lord, I need to start right there because we're going to get deep into this. I want to begin with what we've looked at in week one and week two, but I'm just going to give you little blips of it. I'm not going to read the whole chunk of scripture from 2 Corinthians. You can go and listen to uh, part one and part two, but it says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7, it says the old covenant. Everybody say the old covenant right? The old way, it, was, it had laws etched in stone, right? That's Moses carrying the Ten Commandments, right? The law was written in stone, but it says that it, was, it led to death, right? The old covenant, the way of the law, trying to follow rules and regulations, it doesn't work, does it? As soon as you know that you're not supposed to do something, what's your first instinct, right? Everybody, no one's allowed to gulp in this room, now everybody's like, "I'm not gulping." Now the whole service, you're just going to be thinking about moving your tonsils around. I think that's what you move. Ain't something in here. So the law was given to them, and it and they couldn't. It was impossible to not do what it said not to do, and that's what Paul goes on. He says, "I, I I'm, I'm." And so, thank God for the grace of God for the new way, praise the Lord, for the blood of Jesus. But it says that even the old way, even though it led to death, it had glory. Everybody say, it had glory. There was glory around it. In fact, it said that uh, the people of Israel couldn't even look at Moses' face when he came down the mountain carrying the Ten Commandments commandments and and experiencing God's presence his actual face shone with the glory of God but the Bible says that that was fading away that it was it was amazing it was glorious but it was nothing in comparison to what God was going to do in the future which is now our past and it says in verse verse 8 shouldn't we expect I looked this up in the Greek, and this word uh, here for greater, it just means more, increase. There's all kinds of, you can use all different words to describe it, but it's more than it was before. It's greater glory. It says, shouldn't we expect greater glory under the new way or in the new covenant, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? Amen. It says in 2 Corinthians uh, Chapter 3, verse 6, in the New King James, that they became ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Everybody say, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. It says in the New King James, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And I think this is so significant. Because even as born-again New Testament Christians, the blood has been shed, the Holy Spirit's been offered, Uh, we have so many resources, we have the body of Christ, we have unlimited resources today, more than ever before, and yet we could easily go right back into the letter versus the Spirit. And there is a war today of letter versus Spirit. It is still going on, even though we have this thing wrapped up in leather called the bible the the same principle stands that the letter kills but the spirit gives life i've said it to you now many weeks in a row they study the bible in colleges but they look at it as a book and it does nothing for them they even break it down i've seen it on the history channel right ancient aliens and they look at these things and say look They didn't understand what they were looking at. It wasn't God. It was just aliens. And so you can look at the Bible and come up with the wrong things. You can look at the Bible as a history book and just come out with history. Some people know the history of the Bible way better than me, and yet I just see so little of the Spirit of God in them. I'm just saying general I'm not talking about a specific person. I'm just making a generalization. so you know me, I don't judge a particular person. I will not do that, especially not at the front here with the microphone. So with that said, the Bible says that there was the letter, and there was the spirit. And this is what we're going to get into today, because we've been building here. I was building on the fact that we have this moment with with Moses, which we're going to look at it again. He's on the mountain. And then we have come into the New Testament, and Jesus brings these things into the New Testament. But it doesn't stop there. It has to be that the temple is, in, is filled with the glory of God. That's the finality of it, because that's what his goal was here. And so it says in verse 8, still in the New King James, it says, How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So specifically, this is a ministry of The Spirit, so the far greater glory is what? It's the ministry of the Spirit of God. What the Bible is saying is is that Moses had this incredible experience, and it was so glorious when you read it in history, but it should be left there. We should look at it in awe, but we should not desire what he had because we have, the Bible says, something greater, and the Bible tells us exactly who the greater is, and it took me two weeks to get there, and today I'm getting there. Then we have the Holy Spirit. That what Jesus did through the blood on the cross and made a way to give us the Holy Spirit is even greater. Even if you think, man, when I look at that mountain shaking, and when I see it thundering and lightning and how scary that must have been and the immensity of God on the mountain, and yet our Bible says that the Holy Spirit is greater than what he experienced on that mountain. Who believes the word more than what you feel or think or experience? right? We're not an experienced people. I love experiences in God. Who loves when you can experience God? But we must be word people first. We must be faith people before we experience, right? Faith really is without seeing and feeling and knowing, right? And understanding. That's what faith is. Once I know that it's not faith anymore, Once I've experienced it, I don't need as much faith, do I? So really, the whole thing about our faith is that we believe even though we haven't seen or fully understand. Praise the Lord. So my faith is in God. My faith is in his word. And if he says that the Holy Spirit is greater than this incredible experience that Moses had, then I'm going to believe his word more than I believe my senses, which makes earthquakes and shaking and lightning, it seems like that is greater. But God says, no. God says to us today, and I'm just going to give you the preview before we even get into this. I had to meet Moses from a distance. Even Moses, whose face shone with the glory of God, still had to stand at a distance. And yet we have God himself living inside of you. Moses did not have the Spirit of God inside of him. That's what our word. Let's get into this. Let's just, let's just instead of me, just keep talking here. Let's get right into it. 2 Corinthians says that it's more glorious. It's overwhelming glory in the new way. Let's just review. Moses said this in Exodus 33, because this is important to just say again. Moses said in Exodus 33, he said, God, he said, if you don't personally go with us, verse 15, don't make us leave this place. I don't want to go anywhere without your presence. Moses had realized after everything he had been through and everything God did, God had done some incredible miracles. You know what Moses said? Moses didn't say, God, I need you to part more Red Seas. God, I need you to bring more manna. God, I need to see you do more miraculous things. No, he said, although he saw these crazy miracles, he didn't ask God for that. He said, God, it's your presence. That's the difference. I've realized that that's what I need. I've seen what we haven't even seen. Moses saw, and in some ways, we're going to see that he really wished to see what we get to see. We're going to see it. That's what the word says. But he saw some things that we haven't seen. I've never seen the Red Sea part. Some people try to say it was just the Reed Sea. Did I say that right? The Reed Sea, right? And the Reed Sea is like, you know, it's like a foot deep. And then I always counter that to say, that's interesting. They go, oh, it's just a mistranslation. No problem. First of all, uh, a wind that takes you know a foot of water or a 100 feet of water and separates it and holds it off for a million to three million person army of Israelites to walk through. I mean, still miraculous. but let's just leave that there. Let's just say it was the Reed Sea, and it's not really miraculous. It was just a windstorm, everything dried out. Well, you know what's more miraculous? Drowning, the most elite military force in the world at that time. Pharaoh's army drowned in that same Reed Sea, right? So uh, let's just believe God that it was the Red Sea. But with that said, I haven't seen them split apart. I haven't seen that. But Moses says, don't worry, Adam. Don't worry, NNC in 2023. You don't need, don't desire to see the Red Sea. Because I realized I saw that. That's not really what I needed more of. What I realized is I want the presence of God. He said, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me? Because he was going to like, I need to lead these people. And, and I know that even just to be leading. And you know, each one of you, that's what you're doing. I'm fast forwarding in this sermon, but that's who you are in this world today. How, how does your family, how do your coworkers know the difference? What, do you think you just being good, they're going to notice a difference? What's good? Go ahead and try to define it, right? Jesus said, how do you define it? You can't. No one's good. So it's not going to be just you being good. It's the presence of God in your life that people begin to notice. That's what they notice. They don't notice your little goody two shoes. You know, maybe they, don't, they notice you don't swear. And when I was a kid, they just called that straight edge. It was just like this thing about being good, but without God. It's funny, the devil is so annoying. So annoying. <laughs> But he said, "It's your presence among us, verse 16, that sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth." And the Lord replied, verse 17, "I will indeed do what you've asked for. I will look favorably on you, and you will, and I, I know you by name." And then Moses responds with the, the probably the most famous thing that he ever said to God, show me your glorious presence or show me your glory. And God says, I will. I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to shout my name to you, my goodness to you. So Moses realized that it's God's presence, and yet it says this, more glorious. Just I'm going to read just very quickly, um, and Moriah is going to keep up Matthew 13, verse 17 says, I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people, they long to see, uh, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. You hear me? The Bible says the prophets and the righteous, they long to see what we see. They didn't see what they knew they wanted to see. They didn't hear. They knew that there was more. They knew that all this was leading to something. We call this types and shadows in Christianity. We knew that the letter was leading to the leader. Wow, I just coined that right now. We knew that it was ultimately going to be living flesh, that it was not going to be just trapped in words. And you've heard me say this before, and I said it again on Tuesday. I went on a rant about this on Tuesday. Jesus was in the flesh. He's staring at his own people, and they're, they're sitting there with their Torahs thumbing through the pages to try to find life. This is what it says. He goes, you're searching the scriptures, and I'm standing right here in front of you. Does that mean the scriptures didn't matter? Paul says, am I saying that the law didn't matter? Of course not, he says, right? Paul says, I'm not saying it didn't matter. I'm just saying that those things led to where we are now. Praise God. That we needed those things to set the groundwork for Christ to be who he is. And in the same way, Christ had to set the groundwork for this time with the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so your father Abraham, John eight fifty six, he rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. So Abraham, see, they were obsessed with Moses and Abraham, and, and that's fine. Jesus doesn't come against Moses and Abraham. In the transfiguration, there he is meeting with Moses. He obviously loved Moses. He loved him so much. He had incredible grace on this fallen individual that he used to lead his people out of, is- out of Egypt into towards the promised land. He obviously loved him, but this was now the time for Jesus to fulfill some things, and they got so trapped in their religion that they missed what Jesus was doing now. And that's really where we don't want to get stuck. You don't want to get stuck trying to do something religious, get stuck in some sort of a cycle. It's very easy to do of just going through the motions You can read your Bible every day. You can attend church every week and still not know God. Tell me it's not true when Jesus said, there will be those that come to me one day, and they will say, Lord, Lord, look at all these things I've done for you. We did all these things in your name, and he says, I don't know you. And so we see that it's his presence, really. It's the Spirit of God that we need. Now, does that mean that the Word of God is, is invalid? I want to say it like Paul said it. Quote me like I'm quoting Paul. Of course not, he says. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the Word to be written to begin with. We probably won't get there because of that clock. but So I'll just say it now. Jesus said... The Holy Spirit will remind you of the things I said. So Jesus points to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit points back to Jesus written in the Word. So you see that there, I'm not saying that we need the Spirit of God with no Word, because who has seen that? You get weirdness, you get flightiness. People think they're led by the Spirit of God, but they don't know their Bible. They're weird. But you know your Word. And you have the Holy Spirit prompting you and leading you through it. Praise God. And then there are those that know the word, and there's no spirit of God. There's no life. It is the spirit that gives you life. Jesus is the author of life, and yet he said, we're going to get to it hopefully, but I'll just tell you, it's good that I go. What do you mean it's good that you go? He says, if I don't go, then I can't send the advocate to you. Why would we want Jesus, the Son of God, to leave, our pres- to leave us? He said, because now the Spirit of God is with you, I think implying himself, and soon he will be in you. Wow. I mean, this is powerful. The reason it's greater glory, and like I said, I've been, I've been inching toward this now until week three. But it's because God himself lives inside you now. And we're going to look at this a little bit deeper, amen. Who's getting something out of this already? It says in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 13, that these people of old, it's going through the hall of faith. Who loves the hall of faith? Right, We love them, and they should be honored. In fact, the Bible's honoring them for all time. And yet it says this in verse 13, that even though this is the hall of faith, and we're like, wow, look at all the things they did. Look at all the things they accomplished. You know what my word says? Yours says the same. It says they died still believing what God had promised, even though they didn't receive it. What didn't they receive? Christ Himself, the Holy Spirit, ultimately right inside of us, what God was truly, you have to realize what Jesus did on the cross was much more than just giving you a ticket to heaven. He was restoring Eden back to you. Which is what? You're just clay. You're just the same as the animals, except that the Bible meant a differentiation with you, and He said that He breathed inside you. What did He breathe? His own spirit. That's what made you so special. And the, and the tear, the thing that, that tore us apart, the break. We call it sin. And, and yes, let's call sin, sin. But that's not the break. That was just what we did. We, what we lost was God's presence. We lost the spirit of God inside of us. That's, he said God walked with them. At, in the cool of the evening, he said, at the usual time, right, depending on all you know, all the different translations, but it appears that this is something that God normally did, came down in the cool evening and walked with them. Who loves the cool of the evening? Loves that time. That's just a special moment right there. Of course, that's when God comes. He knows the best time of the day, too. Right, it just comes down to be with his people. That's what he did. He's God. He said, I'm going to give you dominion. I'll put you here to be... Have dominion over this land, this earth, and rule and, and, and reign. And that sounds like a lot of the words of the New Testament, doesn't it? And, and the kingdom of God. And to have dominion and to uh, be fruitful and multiply. Wow, a lot of key words there. And all of this was broken up. So you can actually track the story. If you follow through the word, you'll find that God appears through the entire story. Not just in God the Father, but as the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's why I, I said this, I know I've said this a couple of times recently, I don't understand someone who doesn't understand the Trinity. Like I said, maybe you want to call that symbol demonic. I'm not saying it is, but even if you wanted to call that symbol of the Trinity something that shouldn't be, I don't know. Everybody's got an opinion about everything, and who's like me who's tired of it? But anyway, there are people that think the whole Trinity is demonic and the whole symbols demonic, and it's like, you know, listen, you want to throw all that out. You cannot deny God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit through the whole Bible. We've got God in heaven, and yet his Spirit's hovering over the, over the waters. We've got God in heaven, right, the God the Father, and meanwhile, who, who can't share with his glory with anyone, and, in, and his glory is is so precious that, that Moses has to be shielded by it, and yet we have him eating a meal with God, and it says he meets with God face-to-face as a man meets with his friend. And that's interesting, because the New Testament, Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves and servants, I call you friends. And what's he do with them? He eats a fellowship meal with them. So you see that God, and, and we can do the same thing with Abraham, Who's this God person? Is it just an angel or is it Jesus having a meal with with Abraham and Sarah, speaking of Isaac, right? And so you see throughout the word, you'll see the Father, you'll see the Son, and you'll see the Spirit, even if it doesn't make a big deal saying this is the Father speaking, this is the Spirit now, and this is the Son. You can see them through the story even, it's not a coincidence because we're going to look here, well, we're going to try. But John's about to baptize Jesus, and, 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 he, and, he, and Jesus is saying it needs to be done, and he's baptized, and here comes the Spirit of God. And what does it say that it looks like to him? It looks like a dove. Do you think that's by accident? Because let's go to the ark. Now God's going to judge the world. Here's the types and shadows. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that God said when they did everything and got everything in order, they got inside, you know, they didn't have a pulley system to pull the door. You know what the Bible says? God sealed them in. You know what the seal is? Come on, do you know that you have a seal on you? Right? God seals you. He has sealed you, and that is what? It's to protect you into eternity. He puts a seal on you to keep, take you into eternity. He puts a seal on you so the enemy can't touch you. They put the blood on the doorpost as a seal. and And what does it say when it was time to to check to see if the waters had had gone. What does he release? He releases the dove who does not return. Why? Because the Spirit of God went on to the ark with them and rode with them, sealed them, protected them, and when it was time to come back out, he went back into the earth. And he's always been in the earth, and the moment you were born, even when you were cursing God, even when you were hating God, the Holy Spirit was there wooing you, calling you, that's where the Bible says no one comes unless they're drawn. He's been drawing everyone since you were born. Every little thing that you look at, every miracle that you didn't even realize was a miracle, was drawing you to the Lord. But that's just the Holy Spirit in the earth. That's the Holy Spirit around you. It's only once we receive Christ that then the Holy Spirit, who's always been calling, comes and takes residence inside you. Wow, well, I'm saying A lot. A lot. But the Bible says they did not receive what was promised and they agreed that they were just foreigners and nomads here on the earth. They looked at, they looked to the future. They saw it from a distance. They looked ahead to this time. 1 Peter 1, verse 10. uh, I'm just going to have to paraphrase here because I wanted to get into some more things here. 1 Peter 1, 10 says that even the prophets wanted to know more about what they prophesied. It says, verse 11, they wondered what time or situation, the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about. And then it says, uh, verse 12, and now this good news has been announced. It's been preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 12 of 1 Peter 1, it says, even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. In other words, he's saying that there was a setup. There was, I had Moses on purpose, I had Noah on purpose, I had Abraham on purpose. All of these things, he's not taking away from those things, he's not taking away from the hall of faith, but he was leading us towards something where now it was not a temple, it was not a place, it was not a priest, wow, but now it was going to be God, what he wanted all along, God with his people. In fact, God called it a great sin when they said, we want a king. They finally get into the promised land. And he says, I'm your king. Why can't I just be God and, and you be with me? And, and he had a priestly system set up, which was not ideal, but it was to work with our sin until Christ came, until Christ wrapped all those things up. I mean, we could really get into a study how all of it is in Christ. Every single thing Points to him, but I'm going to show you something deeper that Jesus points everything right back onto us in the earth. It says here in Ephesians 3, verse 5. God did not Am I doing too much? Is this too much? We tracking. All right. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is his plan, he goes on in, in Ephesians 3. So there was a previous And now, by His Spirit, He has revealed it. And then, let's get in here. So, Matthew chapter 3, you can read in your own time, but this is where there was actually the prophecy. It says that Jesus would come, and He would baptize. Before Jesus is baptized, John's prophesying, saying that someone's coming, it's greater than me, and He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's what Jesus was going to do. And he does not do that while he's on the earth. This is something that needed to be accomplished. It was previewed, but for him to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire was actually going to be post the cross, post the resurrection. And yet, John was saying, this is what's coming. Praise God. Now, I didn't plan on mentioning this, but do you know that even John's disciples got a little bound up? There's a moment where John and his disciples are saying, hey, they're asking John, like, hey, they have some questions for him. And John sends a message to Jesus and says, hey, just wanted to verify, because I was pretty sure, but I need maybe a little verification. Are you the son of God or not? even though he saw in Matthew 3, it says that the heavens were open, he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and the voice said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. But he got a little hung up, because some things didn't quite maybe unfold the way he thought, things weren't quite the way he thought he would understand it, and and because we must realize that the life we live Is Holy Spirit led and what I have learned and what I think you will learn if you read through every single patriarch and Old and New Testament is they have No idea what's going on We like to think we know about every we know everything and we know how to be led by the Spirit We think it's like that. We know how to do everything at the moment of I find that I learned Wow, I was led by the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know I was being led much more often Sometimes it's life and death, and I have had that prompting, like, go left now. I don't know. Maybe it, was, maybe, it was, maybe it was just me, and all it did is it cost me an extra five minutes of my time. Or at best, it actually saved my life. But most of the time, I'm like, wow. Wow, I didn't even realize I was being led by the Spirit of God. And But see, if I was trying to be led by law and rule and regulation and and not realizing I'm actually being led by the Spirit, I might get trapped, I might get bound, I might even look at His Word. I think even Revelation is like this, right? I've said before, uh, there's so many different charts and ideas of what it will be, and I wonder sometimes if we're all going to be surprised. I wonder sometimes if it's not going to unfold at all like we think, and we must be led by the Spirit of God. We must realize, my sheep hear my voice. That's going to be the thing that matters. That as it's unfolding, some things might surprise us. Even John here didn't quite understand, and we would think he would. He was the greatest prophet who ever lived, Jesus said. And he's asking Jesus, are you the Messiah or not? And it was shielded from him for a time. So, commercial break over, I just felt like it needed to be said that this is a holy spirit life that we're living and that actually means that he's leading us we're not leading him so one time i heard the lord say to me i'm not your pda we don't have those anymore now we have smartphones but it was a personal digital assistant back then remember those little things they were the preview preview to the smartphone and it was me asking the lord to like you know I'm asking him to direct my steps, but really what I was asking is, you remind me and and figure out, you know, you plan my day for me, and you do everything, like, you know, instead of just setting a reminder or writing a note like a normal person, I think the Holy Spirit has to remind me, and if he didn't, he failed me. And I got a quick check from the Lord that that is a, a misunderstanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And that led by the Holy Spirit is, wait a second, I reminded you, and you knew it, and you didn't write down a reminder. So when you didn't remember later and now it's too late that's your fault not mine. God's not taking credit for you forgetting later. I did remind you when I needed to remind you. Then you should have wrote it down. Anyway, my point is that we are we are led by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to I, for time I don't want to get off on this but because of of our misunderstandings to wrap that up that thought. We could miss even being John the Baptist, what Jesus is doing. We must be led by the Spirit of God, not by our feelings, not our emotions, not by our perceptions, not by our understanding. Even somebody who is so close to God like John for a moment there had missed what the Holy Spirit was really doing because he got emotional. And so anyway, the Bible says that as Jesus comes out of this baptism in Luke 4, The Bible says in Luke 4 that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and when he returned from the Jordan River, he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So we see this picture of the Holy Spirit through the whole Bible. Now Jesus comes on the scene. The Holy Spirit, he's baptized in water. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, and now Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one for his mission. Do you guys see this picture? And the Bible says that the devil came and he tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. But in Luke 4, verse 13, it says, When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And then it says this, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Jesus, the Son of God, filled with the Holy Spirit's power? Before Jesus began his ministry, before the Son of God began his ministry, he was baptized like us. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was tempted like us and had to rely on the word instead of his feelings and emotions, just like us. And then finally, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into his ministry. I think sometimes people miss this. I think we can miss That even Jesus, the Son of God, operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in the power of his name. He just was. You realize he didn't need the power. He didn't have to say in the name of Jesus. He just spoke. But what power was it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the only reason that you can even say in the name of Jesus, because you have the Holy Spirit inside you. How can I prove that? Well, Paul said, remember, remember this story? Remember? And so the, the sons of Sceva, they think they can just spout off the name of Jesus without the Spirit of God and the enemy, you know, something supernatural, but takes them. Whatever that looked like, I'm not quite sure. We're not going to get into today. But it needed to be the Spirit of the Lord. And then the Bible says that Jesus then opens the scroll. See, it's not by accident. There's actually, if you look in Luke 4 here, you can see that there's a picture that Luke's trying to make. Number one, it was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into temptation. The Holy Spirit led him into temptation. You hear me? Do you know the Holy Spirit leads you into temptation? Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. What did you just say, preacher? He leads us into temptation? Why? To prove you. To prove you. And what do you rely on? You rely on Him. Jesus didn't rely on Himself. Devil spouted off word, twisted word, of course, because to a mature believer, that's us. Obviously, Christ was the maturity, the ultimate. But the devil spouted off word. Jesus responds with word. And then the Holy Spirit fills him. He comes in, and he starts doing things in Galilee. Well, what's the first thing Jesus said? Jesus, in verse 17, he opens the scroll of Isaiah. Most likely, he opened to Isaiah chapter 11. Because what he quotes comes from there. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. What is your job as a believer to do? To preach what? The good news. What was Jesus' job in the earth? Apparently, he said, This is why I'm here. To bring the good news to the poor, proclaim the captives to be released, the blind to see, the oppressed set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And there's more if you open Isaiah 11. There's more promises there. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus for this. If we think that we are going to be Jesus' representatives without the Holy Spirit, all you have is Empty words. You can quote the Bible all you want. That's why somebody standing on the corner with a sign doesn't save anyone. Because it's not the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know. You know what? Maybe there is a time that the Spirit of God has asked him to do that. And maybe there's, we're, we're like, I don't know that I would do that. Maybe one person that day gets saved. And honestly, then that's between them and the Lord. But you spouting off, just spouting off Bible doesn't save anyone. Like I said, History Channel quoting scripture doesn't make anybody drop to their knees. They're just words without the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of the Lord. If you quote a scripture to a family member, and you have prayed and sought God, and the Holy Spirit just opens the door. Who's had an open door with somebody in your life? Ever. Ever. Anybody ever had just one time, right, where the Holy Spirit just opens the door? You know, now is the moment I need to—today is the day. Because now the Holy Spirit is taking—it's the same person, you're the same person, but now is a moment where that same word in the wrong time would just fall on deaf ears. But now it's going to be the moment where that word's going to pierce into their heart because it's led by the Spirit of God. What I wanted us to see today is is that even Jesus, the Son of God— relied on the power of the Holy Spirit that even he did and you can go in deeper now we also see another picture there's another picture here who's ready for more but do it quick preacher because we're wrapping up the Bible says in John chapter 2 they said to Jesus Jesus comes in he's like you've turned my temple into a den of thieves you've turned it into a marketplace Wow, this is very interesting, isn't it? So Jesus comes in, and he starts destroying the temple. This was a symbol for what he's about to say. I think it could be missed. Sometimes we just think he just turned over tables. But you know, he actually speaks right then and there. He's he's actually doing what the Lord's going to do in spirit. He's turning over what the temple had become, was it became... Religion, even though it was supposed to be the place where God's presence was. And it's not God's presence anymore. Now it's just a place. Now it's just going through the motions. And so Jesus turns it over. And they say, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. And in John 2, verse 19, Jesus says, All right, I'll destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. What, they exclaimed, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. Everybody say Jesus and the temple are the same. Jesus just said in John 2 that the temple is his body. And it says in verse 22, that after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Now, I told you today he had a subtitle called The Transfer, because who's ever thought, do we ever, you know, we know that scripture. If you're a mature believer, of course you know that scripture. But as New Testament believers, when we talk about the temple in the New Testament, who do we refer it to? Do we refer it to Jesus or to... Come on, what are you all thinking? To to the church, to us. And yet Jesus said, it's my body. Well, that's one and the same, isn't it? We don't have time, but who's Jesus the head of? His church. What body is Jesus the head of? The body of Christ. So when Jesus said the temple will be destroyed and it would be raised up, wow. What did he talk, what was he saying? You know, he was doing another type and shadow of, of many types and shadows. He says, when you crucify this body and it comes back to life, you realize that that was a prophecy for you and I here today, that I'm going to destroy this place of stone because that's all it is. And when I raise it, I'm going to raise it back up in three days, but it won't be this building anymore. It's going to be my body. And who's my body? That's us, the church. Where is the Spirit of God? The Bible says it dwelt. If Let's just look at the picture here. Jesus is the temple. Where was the glory in the Old Testament? Only in the temple and only in the Old Testament. You realize when I say only, it was only. God did not allow his glory just to shoot out everywhere. There was displays of his glory, but the only place it ever inhabited was the tabernacle and the temple. Jesus receives for the very first time in the, in the earth again, what was in Eden, the Spirit of God inside of a man. You realize what Jesus did was not just die on a cross and give you a ticket to heaven, but he also said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And many times we miss that what Jesus did was actually show us the way. He didn't just make a way. He showed us the way. There's a big difference, isn't it? This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Follow me. Literally, the disciples had to do what? Follow me. Not just follow me into eternity. Yes, that's where he ends up. Praise God, that's where you and I end up, with him, forever and ever. And heaven will be supreme, and hell, and the earth, and sin, and death, and the devil, and all his fallen kingdom will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. But as we started, while on the earth, while I'm on the earth, I have decided that I must let Christ live in me. Well, then that means, very simply... I am the temple. You and I are the temple. We're just doing what Jesus, do you realize that we're just doing what Jesus did and what he reflected? In the same way that Jesus did nothing without the Holy Spirit, do you realize if you try to do anything without the Holy Spirit, you are spinning rubber. You are wasting your time. You're building a sandcastle. We could go on and on, of course, as I always can. But... Just some verses, food for thought. Ephesians 2.20, you know, we're we're the house of God. Jesus is the cornerstone. Colossians 1, Christ is the head of the church. And then something happens. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus gives them these final instructions. And I'm I'm wrapping up with this, I promise. He gives them these final instructions, and he says, in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water. And now this is Jesus. Now, everybody say, post the cross. I know it's hard to say. (laughs) Post blood. Post resurrection. Post the temple. The veil's been torn into. All that's been done. And it's now, that is finished. It's complete. The devil is defeated. And yet it's not finished for the work on the earth, is it? Jesus' work in eternity and with sin is finished. You realize this. And that's why you can go to heaven. You can be saved without really walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the sense that their sins are covered, but you are doing a disservice, and in fact, the Bible says you are grieving the Holy Spirit by not letting him operate in your life and through your life, and and honestly, that person is between them and God. At what point, such a dangerous place to just be entertaining Uh, The idea of God without letting the Holy Spirit really work in their life and through their life, it is an extremely dangerous place. You're opening doors, really, for sin, uh, and then any way you want, you can just do whatever you want. If you're not led by Him, then really, who are you led by? You'll never be able to live by the Word without the Holy Spirit. You're just going to be doing what Paul said, I tried to do the Word, and it failed. I I ended up realizing that I just could never do it. It's the same thing, New Testament, without the Holy Spirit, and so Jesus said, this is what I've been, this is what's been waiting, and so this is what's amazing. I just, I had to say this. Just like we would do, Jesus ascends to heaven, and look, and they're just staring at his cloud, which is also another type in shadow, because where was the glory? Remember, Moses ascended into the cloud to get the glory of God, There goes the glory of God with Jesus. Jesus was the only one who had the Holy Spirit inside of him. He breathes into, he gives them a preview, and he breathes the Holy Spirit into them as a preview. Then he ascends into the cloud. And then, I I love this, because all of us would be doing the same. Just watching. So the angels come and they say, why are you staring at the clouds? Isn't that amazing? This, was, this is such an encouragement. Like I said, I know I'm over time, but I had to say this. I'm, so, I'm encouraged by this word, because I didn't, I didn't go searching for this today. But when I saw this, I was like, wow, Lord. He said, why are you staring at the clouds? Why are you staring? The same way that Jesus left, he's going to come again. Settling that. But he says this. The angel says to them, and i got to find it, because, again, I'm trying to not read this entire chunk of Scripture but he says, oh, right, because I'm in chapter two here. Chapter one. Yeah, it says, it says, the Father alone. He, oh, right, they're like, well, is now the time of the kingdom? And it's, it's not, I don't want you to focus on those dates and times. It says, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me in all the earth. And then the, the, the staring into heaven, and then it says, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken to you from, in heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And this is what they did. The apostles returned to Jerusalem, and when they arrived, they went upstairs. They went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying, and the 120 gathered. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. So you see this complete, closure and completion of what Jesus did, welcoming, like, from, we have the Gospels, but the rest of the Bible is after Acts chapter 2, and it doesn't make sense. You have to realize that the story of the disciples living on the earth without Jesus, just like you and I, doesn't make sense without Acts chapter 2. It doesn't. We could be just going through these motions and spouting off verses without being led by the power of the Holy Spirit that's ultimately in Acts 2 you can read it in your own time but Peter preaches this word by the power of the Holy Spirit and it says it pierces their heart and then they are baptized and receive the Holy Spirit wow praise God the Lord loves us so much doesn't he There's so much more you could get into. You could read from, just read from John 14 through 17. It's really Jesus's last words with the disciples, and he's just promising what he was going to do. This is what it's all about. I'm going to be inside you. I'm with you right now. This is amazing, but this is just a short time. I'm going to be inside you. We're going to be one. We're going to become one in a greater way than we can even understand. That's the glory that Moses was looking for, oneness with God. And uh, we just, I'm just going to say that that's it. We're just going to leave that there. I, I don't want we'll to keep blabbing. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have brought us into this place of oneness with you. I thank you, Lord God, that there is, Lord, an uh, eternity to look forward to with you, but it is not someday. It has started right now. I thank you, Lord, that you have restored us back to that place where your presence is inside of us. We are breathing the breath of life, not just oxygen, but the breath of life. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would be led by you, just as Jesus was, and that what we do is led by you, just like their word says, that what he says and what he did was not without your power and your authority. And I thank you, Jesus, that you paid a great price to redeem us from the grip of hell, to free us from the bondage of sin, and finally, Lord, so that you could put your spirit inside this temple to, Lord, fill us so that we could reap the benefits, and, Lord, so that you could shine your light into the earth through us. I thank you, Lord, for all of this. We just give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.